0: Alright, we are continuing our series, Don't Be a Pharisee. Last week we looked at legalism and how, and so much, I hope the one thing that you're taking away from this series is that lots of what we're talking about aren't in themselves bad. It's not bad to have, to be proud of your kids. It's not bad to be proud of your marriage. It's not bad to be proud of your business. But when that pride turns into comparison and you look at others as less than, The Bible says that to have haughty eyes, that's a problem. That's too much pride resulting in something that is bad. The second week, we talked about exclusivity. There are certain things in life that should be exclusive. Your marriage should be exclusive, okay? We talked about how Mother's Day should be exclusively set aside for celebrating our moms. But in church, we can't be exclusive, we can't, as we said on that on the second Sunday, we can't thin the herd that God wanted to grow. We can't be chasing out people when God, when Jesus is more interested in bringing them in. And last week we talked about legalism. And again, when we read Scripture and we draw implications and we draw safeguards for ourselves from Scripture, those aren't bad things. As I said last week, I used the exam. I paid for my example last week, like repeatedly. I talked about how. Bible talks about you can't get drunk, but there's actually not any teaching about drinking. So guess what everyone talked about all week? I'm going to go drinking, because you said it was okay. Mm. <laughs> what I said last week was that if you have a proneness to get to lose control and get drunk, then probably a good idea to not have the first drink. But do not hold that standard against everybody else, because not everyone would share in that conviction what you are convicted about do <laughs> so that your conscience may be clear as it says in Romans 14 but keep it between you and God <clears throat> it's okay to have some of these things some of these things are meant to promote, <laughs> promote spiritual health to help us move along but too much of something and even as we said in the in the bumper video th- too much zeal can lead us down a path that can cause more destruction than we want. It's okay to be zealous for God. It's okay to be committed and be motivated by your faith, but don't let your overzeal make others feel less than if they are not at the same level you are at. So this week we're talking about, the title is Idolize the Past. And again, this is one of those things where there's a good thing that we do But if we get carried away with it, it could turn into a bad thing. And the good thing that we do is we look back on the past and we look back on it fondly. I hope when you think of your childhood, you think of your college days, you went to college, you think of your upbringing and everything that happened prior to today, I hope you remember more good things than bad. That would be my hope. If you are remembering pain and hurt, and the past is not something you like to think about, I am sorry. I'm sorry that you have a really bad experience. I'm sorry that you have this hurt. If you need someone to talk to, you can talk to me. You probably want to talk to my wife. She's better at that stuff, but like if you need to talk to somebody, you need to work through some things. We really want to help you find hope and find healing and I really hope you find some good things in your past to look back on. But what happens is too much of that is what we start to do as we look at the past and we only remember the good. We only remember that every, you know, the good old days, right? Like this, you talk about the good old days, it seemed like everything always went right and nothing was ever bad. Just the good old days were perfect, that everything just was better. And then you look at today, and you look at all the problems, and you're like, oh, I wish for the good old days. I wish. And what happens when we start talking about the good old days is we can become really cynical about the today, and we start to miss the good things that are happening today, and we focus on the bad, and we're like, oh. There's so much wrong today. I just want to get back to the good old days where everything always went right. It rained when it was supposed to. The seed came off when it was supposed to. The oil came out of the ground when it was supposed to. It was always at, you know, like I could go on, right? Like the good old days. And the Pharisees are so bad for this. So we're going to look at Luke 11 to kind of set the foundation of how this happens. Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. He says, what sorrow awaits you for you build monuments for the prophets your own ancestors killed long ago. But in fact, you stand as witnesses who agree with what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets and you join in their crime by building the monuments. This is what God is In his wisdom, said about you, I will send prophets and apostles to them, but they will kill some and persecute others. As a result, this generation will be held responsible for the murder of all God's prophets from the creation of the world. From the murder of Abel to the murder of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, it will certainly be charged against this generation. What the Pharisees were doing, where they were remembering the prophets, they're like, oh, the prophets were so good. The prophets were so amazing. And they almost start like, talking about as if the prophets like, lived good long days, and they, they enjoyed their life, and they lived at peace with Israel. And they're like, you know, and then they're reminded, but yeah, but <laughs> the leaders at the time killed them. Oh, but if we would have been back there, if we would have been in charge, we would not have killed the prophets. And what Jesus is saying is, no, actually, when you build these monuments and you remember (coughs) how great these prophets were, you're actually attesting to the fact, you're actually coming into agreement with what your ancestors did, and you're just as guilty of it as you are. And newsflash, how many times when we read through Scripture, and keep talking about we, I'm going to talk about Pharisees, because there's no Pharisees in one church, right? There's none. Not a single one. I'm glad you all laughed at that. What a Pharisee will do, I totally lost my train of thought there. Shoot. Anyways. Couldn't have been that important if I forgot. Uh, so full disclosure, I'm just going to be really transparent with you. I opened my tablet this morning, and all my notes are gone. So I am just flying off the cuff this morning, okay? <laughs> for better or for worse, hopefully the slides help me get through where I need to go. Just whatever happens, I, I'm either really sorry or I'm, you're welcome. I know to go either way at this point. Uh The one thing that, oh man, the one thing that I have noticed as I go through all of this is how much I am aligned with Pharisees. Oh, that's where I was going. Thank you. (laughs) Light bulb. Pharisees will read through the Gospels and be like, I can't believe they killed Jesus. I can't believe they wouldn't listen. I can't believe that they would do all these horrible things to Jesus. I'm so glad I'm not a Pharisee. And so often, (laughs) we are more like the Pharisees than we would like to admit. Because how often do we read through Scripture and we read something that challenges us and pushes us to something uncomfortable and we maybe just glaze over it until we get to a Scripture that makes us feel good about ourselves. we look at the Pharisees and we're like, how could you possibly have done this? And the one thing that has come apparent in my life, I'll throw myself under the bus, is as I've been going through this, is how often I'm more like the Pharisees than I would like care to admit. I know, it's shocking. I'm not perfect. I know that shocks all of you, especially my wife. She's just like, what? He's got issues? Like, it just, (laughs) why is my mother-in-law laughing the loudest? I just don't understand (laughs) what is happening here. (sighs) We are more, yeah, she's like, yeah, (laughs) I heard that. We are more like the Pharisees than we care to admit. We get so caught up, a Pharisee will get so caught up in the good old days because things were so much better back then. And one of the things that a Pharisee will do is we want to be like the New Testament church. We look at scripture and we look at all these descriptions, you know, we look at Acts 2 and we read how there were added daily people coming in and they had everything in common and they ate with each other and they loved each other and they listened to the apostles teaching and and we're like oh we want to be like that if we want to be a good healthy growing church we have to replicate what the new testament church was doing have you read the new testament that church had issues even when we talk about the, new, the way the New Testament and the Pharisees will talk about Old Testament people. And I'm going to pick on a few. We love the Old Testament heroes. I'm not saying these are bad people. But we need to keep everything in perspective. Moses, right? The, Old Test, the Pharisees would talk about Moses as the greatest of all prophets. That, you know, he split the Red Sea. He gave them the commands. He led them into the promised land. Moses was amazing, Yeah, but Moses had issues. He doubted God. He killed a guy. He got anger issues. In fact, his anger issues were so severe, he didn't actually get to see the promised land himself. God would not allow him to enter the promised land because he had disobeyed God before the people. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how Moses is just amazing. He's so perfect. David. New Testament talks about David as a man after God's own heart. Wow, that David was the king who ushered in the golden days of Israel. Wow, David is so amazing. <laughs> yeah, David was also an adulterer. David had multiple wives. David was a conspirator. That when someone found, you know, uh, David had issues. Get to the New Testament. Peter. Peter was often on the wrong side of Jesus' teaching. Yeah, but that was before he got filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Because this is the rock that the church has been founded on. This was the first leader. The Catholics would list Peter as the first pope of the whole church. Peter, like this is this is Peter. You know, after Peter was filled with the Spirit, Peter was a big old racist. He wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. He tried to impose the wrong expectations on. He was. <laughs> Peter was racist, I'm sorry to say. Peter continued to have issues after the Holy Spirit filled him up. The Apostle Paul, the great missionary who wrote almost half the New Testament, who planted so many churches and saw so many people come to faith, the guy who survived shipwrecks and got bit by vipers and talked about how he's the greatest of all sinners. Yeah, Paul was arrogant in fact, Paul himself says, I'm so arrogant, God gave me a thorn in my flesh to keep me humble. That's how prone Paul was to arrogance. Paul, who talks about forgiveness and mercy, had a run-in with John Mark in the middle of Acts, and after that run-in, refused to give John Mark a chance in any missionary f- coming forward. In fact, he was so adamant the opposed to John Mark that him and Barnabas split and never did a missionary journey together again. And yet John Mark, God used him to write one of the Gospels. The Gospel of Mark is written by John Mark. But for, in Paul's eyes, John had, Mark had dropped the ball. It couldn't be used. And my point is, is, and I love the way that I was reading, someone's put it this way. God likes to use crooked sticks to draw straight lines. God likes to use crooked sticks to draw straight lines. And the problem is, is that the farther away we get from the crooked stick, we, lose how, we forget how crooked it is, and we just get focused on the straight line. And the closer we get to it, we get focused on how crooked the stick is, and we forget that God is still at work in drawing a perfectly straight line. And Not even to pick on the biblical guys. I wasn't going to use this example. It's so good, I just have to use it. John Calvin. Now, for some of you, that name may not mean anything. John Calvin was one of the most influential theologians of our time. Agree, disagree with the guy. He has had a massive impact on what we believe about Scripture and how we interpret it. Do you know, Mr. John Calvin, Mr. Great Theologian that we all look up to, at one point... He encouraged his followers to torture and kill one of his theological opponents. I'm a fellow Christian. Burned him at the stake. John Calvin. Don't talk about that, though. Talk about all the good things John did. We talk about all the amazing things John did. and We forget that. that it's just a little oopsie, right? It's not a little oopsie. Big consequences if Pastor Matt had that little oopsie pop up on his resume. It's a big problem. And this isn't just church things. The problem when we start to idolize the past and we remember only the good things, it starts to have really negative impact on other things other than church. The first one is marriage. This morning I prayed for the marriages that are going through rough patches because what can happen is when your marriage is going through a rough patch, it never fails, that your spiritual enemy will bring someone from the past that you had feelings for. And all of a sudden you just remember all the good times you had for this person. You remember all the good feelings you had with this person. And all of a sudden there's a connection made and there's conversations being had and you're losing sight. And the problem is... We start to forget why it never worked out in the first place. There's a reason you married the person that you married, but you've forgotten all the good things about your marriage, and you've forgotten all the bad things that happened with that previous relationship, and by the time a Pharisee realizes what they have done, it is often too late. By the time a Pharisee realizes and remembers why it didn't work the First time is often too late. Your job. How many times have we moved locations and got plugged in at a new job and we're so excited and the boss says something bad and you go through some friction with a fellow employee and all of a sudden it's like oh I remember that other job. My previous job was so good. I love my old boss. Man this one sucks. I hate where I am. I hate everything that's going on. Yeah, but there's a reason you left the previous job. There's a reason you came to this one. There's something good about what has happened here. There's something good that drew you here. There's something wrong with where you were previously. There's a reason you are where you are. You can't lose sight of what (laughs) the journey that got you to where you are. But we romanticize, we idealize the past, and we're like, yeah, but the past was... Now leave the past in the past. Forget about, (laughs) don't forget about the don't forget about the lessons you've learned. Remember the good times. Don't forget about the bad. Be formed and learn from the past. And remember to look for the good of today. Like I said, this happens in church all the time. Well, I'm gonna go back to my old church. I've heard that a couple times. I like the old pastor. Yeah, I heard that a couple times. What happened to him? I don't know. You stuck with me. Deal with it. I don't know. (laughs) Mitch hears that all the time. I remember the old youth pastor. Yeah. I honestly try. (laughs) Okay. Full disclosure. This has been really convicting for me because I feel guilty all the times that I was like, oh, when I started the youth center. Yeah, I had issues when I I started the youth center. I chased off three-quarters of my volunteer team within a month. I had issues, but we don't talk about, anyways, I'm just going to get that slide off. Okay, Uh, a Pharisee will so often look back and just look at all, we call it looking through with rose-colored lenses. Just, oh, everything in the past was so amazing. We just love the past so much. And today, you do it with culture. You do it with generations. The older generation will often look down at a younger generation and be like, oh, you're so lazy. When I was your age, I'd started four companies already. The kid's four. There's no way you pulled that off. But we do that. generation does it to the generation that comes up behind it. Oh, oh, the future does not look good because the generation coming is so, no, it has your generation had issues too. I'm sorry to break it to you, just your, your issues were different. So What? I always love getting to this point. We talk about, like, what the Pharisees do. And so, so, so what? So what do we do with this? What do we do with this information? How do we prevent ourselves from looking at the past with these idealized, rose-colored lenses? <clears throat> and I always t- give you the most extreme s- circumstances, right? So do we look back at the past and only remember all the bad? No, that's depressing. Don't do that. There's good things that happened in the past. There's things to celebrate in the past you can't overlook. But there's lessons to learn from the past. There's problems that, there's things that arose and things that you get smarter and wiser from. You have to stay mindful of those things. But also in the present, you have to be, you have to stay aware of the good things that are happening. Because it's so easy. And I've heard it so many times. We all have. We're sitting there talking to somebody and we Complain about a certain leader in Ottawa. I'm not going to name names. (laughs) What? What's so funny? Oh, and what do we do? The guy before him was so good. Newsflash, I know a bunch of us, a bunch of conservatives, but the previous guy had issues too. Oh, but we forget. Yeah, but he did so much. Yeah, he did a lot of good. I'm not going to argue with that, but he had issues. Every leader makes mistakes. Every person, every church, everybody makes mistakes. And we can either choose to dwell on the bad and be cynical and be destructive and cause pain, or we can pause pause. And we're like, yeah, there's some good things happening in our world right now. There's some good things happening in our community. There's some good things happening in our country. <clears throat> so does that mean, like, we just focus on the good? We just, we just adjust the rose-colored lenses and just look at the good things that are happening, ignore the bad, ignore the wrongs, ignore the injustices? Absolutely not. We have to be able to stand our ground. We we have to be able to stand for truth. But there's a right way to stand for truth and a wrong way to stand for truth. And we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. I said earlier, if you ever think that we need to get back to the way the church was in the New Testament, read the New Testament. It has issues. And we're going to look at the first Corinthians. The first letter Paul wrote. The Corinthian church, we draw so much good from this letter. But if you take account what is going on. There's a lot of messed up things happening in the Corinthian church. It was so bad Paul had to write four letters. We only have two in Scripture but Paul wrote four letters to these guys. Smarten up. But Paul doesn't come out of the gate in his letter swinging and knocking them down and being critical and being cynical. Paul actually starts the letter in a way that we need to take note of. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 1, Paul's letter to the messed up church of Corinth. This letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth. To you who have been called by God to be his holy people, He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all the people everywhere who call the name of the Lord Jesus Christ their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for He is faithful to do what He says, and He has invited you into partnership with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, after those first nine verses, everyone's feeling really good. Why? Because it's not that Paul's buttering them up. Paul loves this church. He loves these people, and he is not writing with the purpose of knocking them down a few pigs. He's actually Writing them because he loves them and he wants them to become all that they are des- destined to become. And so he writes with a father's heart. He writes with grace and he honestly means everything he writes. He is so proud of this church and the way that God has blessed them and the way that God has used them. And so he makes sure he starts. There. I'm not coming at you as a cynic. I'm not coming at you with a hammer. I'm not coming at you to knock you down. I'm coming at you to build you up because you're doing so many right things. Now, he takes the next 14 chapters and starts the pounding process. And he doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He just lays it out for them. You need to have order. You need to have structure. You need to correct the sin that is in your church. You need to you need to start doing potlucks right. They they were doing potlucks wrong. You know the church is in a bad place when you mess up potluck. Okay? Like we can agree with that, right? Like And you read through, and Paul is just, he's not shying away. He's addressing the issues head on. He's giving them solutions, but it's not from this place of, I am so much better than you. It is from a place of, I love you, and you need to raise your game because I know you can. And if we want to avoid being a Pharisee in our day. We have to embrace the truth and grace that Christ so often used as he presented the gospel to the people of his day. We need to stand for truth. We need to address the sin that is in our life. We need to address the wrongs that are going on. But we can't come at it from an elevated, you're being dumb, stop doing what you're doing. But we come at it from a, hey, let me help you. Let me pick you up. Let me walk with you, let me help you, because you can do so much better, because I believe in you and God believes in you and He loves you and forgives you and He wants what's best for you. It's so easy when we're addressing the injustices and we're addressing the wrongs of our day to come at it with a hammer. I'm going to make this right. And all we do is cause more pain. All we do is cause more injuries. We cause more wrongs. We don't actually get anything. We, don't, we just we're further away from the goal than when we started. And you don't have to be perfect to get it right. I started with this. And I'm going to close with this. God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. even in the midst of the mess and everything, all the perceived wrongs and all the injustices that are happening, believe it or not, God's will is still being accomplished. God's spirit is still on the move and revelation and all the end of world stuff that we read about in scripture is still going to happen. We haven't messed that up. We're not that good. God uses crooked sticks To draw straight lines, God can use anyone and anything to accomplish His will, to get us to where we need to be. We just need to choose to trust in the One who's completely in control. Allow Him to lead, guide us, inform us, and trust the process that we're going to get to where we need to be at the end of the day. I'm going to get the worship team to come on up. I'm going to invite everyone in house to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to pray. Not the worship team. You guys keep your eyes open as you come because I don't want an incident. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you do not disqualify us because of the mistakes we've made. God, I thank you that all throughout Scripture and all throughout history, you have used, (laughs) you've used Anyone and everyone to accomplish your goals and your will. Thank you that we don't have to be perfect, but we can still be used by you, God. I pray that as your people are, we would be aware of the things going on in our world. That we would be set on righting wrongs and standing up for injustice and standing up for truth. But we would do it not. not as judge, jury, and executioner, but as a brother and a sister, as a loving father and a loving mother. We come at it not that I am better and I am above all of this, but we're all in this together and we're going to get through all of this together and we're going to... Father, help us to be aware of what's wrong. Help us to learn... But help us to celebrate the good things you are doing. And I thank you, God, that no matter how bad things get, you are still on the move and you're still doing good things. I thank you, God, that you still speak. I thank you that you lead and guide us and transform us into the men and women you have called us to be. Speak to us as we close. Pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.